13th floor. The 13th floor. The phrase was so controversial for some people. Yeah, because uh, people see black privilege and they automatically think white privilege, which is something that is very prevalent. And, you know, oh, black people don't have no privilege. And you're making white people feel like we're equal. And, you know, what I'm simply trying to tell people is I think it's a privilege to be black. You know, I think when you look at the word privilege, it has two definitions. One, one definition is, you know, uh, advantages granted to a certain community. But the other definition is an honor to be. And I think it's an honor to be in this black skin. I don't think that my black skin is a liability. I don't think it's a, a burden. And I just feel like we have access to a divine system that causes us to, 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 that we can tap into that causes us to prosper in spite of everything that's thrown at us in this country. So for me, it's just, I'm just trying to restore that feeling of like black pride, you know, black excellence, black, black power. Welcome ladies and gentlemen to the 13th floor where the furniture isn't always the best, but the views are amazing. I'm your moderator, B. Jones, and I got my man, J. Dace, on the podcast this week. What's happening, baby? What up, baby? We out here living, man. Another beautiful day in paradise. I see you got my lion back, man. I'm glad you listened. You know, it's Leo season. Has to represent. Is it? Not yet. No, cancer. <laughs> we just go take over now. You know what I mean? We just go start now. Dang lions. <laughs> right? Face on, what's going on, man? How you doing this morning? Shalom. What's going on, people? Uh, all is well. It's good. Going to talk more today and uh, have some fun. I'm excited. There it is. DJ Barry, be fresh. What's going on? America, world, we here. You tuned in. We loving it. Let's get it. And my man, Coach K, last but not least, Mr. Unbearable. What's going yeah, on, bro? man? You see it. I'm here. What's happening? What's going on? Not too much, man. Y'all heard it on the intro. My man Charlemagne laying out the concept of black privilege. So today I wanted to dive into that, man. I want to get you guys' opinions on it. What your thoughts are on the concept? Because me, I feel like I fall right in line with that, especially the nate nature of what uh, we have inside and our capabilities, especially with the spiritual realm. But based on what he just said, man, how do you guys feel about it? I think I'm going to start with you, Jay Day, since you, you know, the other millennial on the podcast. Okay. No, no, um, I think that it sounds like it's more of a mindset than it is as, a, as the counterpart of the white privilege as a, like he said, systemic um, process. And it sounds like the black, black privilege is more of a mindset that we should be pushing amongst each other and living in that. You know what I mean? Because it seems like, it seems like knowing that you are phenomenal in the fact that you are black, just simply the fact that you have melanin in your skin, knowing that, I think that that, is more so of a mental state than it can be pushed as a systemic um, systemic process, if you will. So I just think that that's definitely, he hit the nail on the head, man. Uh, for the longest time, I grew up in the era of, if you were darker, you were ugly. You know what I mean? Just like the kids growing up, they would make fun of you if you were super, if you were super dark, if you were super black. And it, it made you hate looking at yourself where you would want, you, you wouldn't like being in the sun for too long because you don't want to, go back to school looking a certain way. You know what I mean? So um, just, just being real, like stay, you want to stay in the house, but you want to go out and have fun. So it's an inner conflict. It was crazy, man. But I've just, I've really come to know that, yo, I'm beautiful. You know what I mean? Like, yo, my skin is dope. Like it's, it's crazy the benefits of it. So, um, but yeah, I really think that it's a mindset that we should push not only on my generation, but on, on, on all our generations, man. What about you, Fresh? Nah, 
he he pretty much put a bow around it, right? Um, just like Charlemagne said, growing up of the era where all the time I was seeing um, Malcolm X hats, I was seeing Black Bart Simpson and all of these other characters made into African Americans. That it's it's that that excellence. You know, you want um, all of us to realize we are kings and queens, right? and not feel that we are inferior to anyone and always be able to walk around, you know, with that type of um, era about us, right? You wanna be able to, to understand how valuable and important you are as an African-American, as a person, period. And so, I mean, it's, it's, it's definitely, um, it's awesome at the end of the day. Yeah, man, it's really awesome. I mean, I know we have, um... He, he spoke about the systemic uh, issues and everything around racism and white privilege being a very real thing. Um, and it's also, it's a little interesting in how, you know, the white folks view it because they absolutely believe that there is a true systemic black privilege. When you talk about how we're celebrated, we, we, we cel we're celebrated for celebrating our blackness, but you know, a white person is looked at as racist for celebrating their whiteness, so to speak. Um, and there's a little dissonance, I guess, that goes along with that. But it just doesn't, it doesn't compare because obviously there aren't systemic issues set up against them versus us having to find that pride in self to be able to, <laughs> to be able to be successful going forward. So I guess what I'm trying to figure out is what are we really talking about here, right? Because just being prideful of being black what has that gotten us thus far and what is the goal of what that's going to get us moving forward? I think it's a sense of self-worth, man. You know, I mean, if nothing else, um, you got to think how, how degraded our race has be, has become or how uh, diluted it, it, and how you feel. Like I said, you just growing up and you, you don't even want to be black because of the, of the, 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 what's the word I'm looking for? The stigma associated with it. So if you have this new sense of self pride, it can not only create the self worth, but it also creates a, a brand new uh, era of possibility. Cause if you don't believe in yourself, how can you even begin to start to, to pursue that uh, black excellence, if you will? How can you begin to pursue uh, going after any goals I or dreams? Any excellence, right? Like it's definitely yeah, after yeah, any excellence. Yeah. If you don't have that. The, I think the, the, worth the definitely is one of the things, one of the many things it could potentially do for our race. Uh, just having, just developing that mindset. Okay, so, so let's, I go ahead. Okay. No, I'm just thinking. So, can you brought up a good point. What is, what is it? What's happening, and what are we going to do with this now? And I'm just thinking back to generations that you know Brett brought in. Okay, you know now versus our parents versus their parents. Um, you know, looked upon grandparents, like, no, we can't do this, stay in your place, you know, do what you gotta do, we'll be fine, keep your head down, go to work, come home. Then our parents challenged that system. They were out there fighting, you know, the militants, the Black Panthers, the, you know, the, the Spike Lees, the world, the, you know, things are changing, it's gonna happen. We came in, we got uh, a custom, well, not say we, but you know, in between there was a custom where, hey, we're, we're the same, we're not gonna just accept where it is, we're gonna go ahead and do our thing and be successful. And then the generations that's kind of right now and um, coming up are saying, like, why, why do we even think about this? We need to, we're doing our own businesses. We're opening up our own places. We're, you know, you're going to banks now. You're getting loans because, oh, you're black and you're bringing black to the area. Or, you know, black-owned business is becoming a big thing. 
So the progression of that pride has, has continued. And now even more than later, you're seeing more faces, more strength, more um, unity to making those things happen. And, you know, as soon as I'm, I'm hoping it might, my overall dream would be to have eventually that Black Wall Street come back again, where you have neighborhoods that are self-sufficient, self-sufficient on what, what we're doing and bringing it in because it's just important that we support ourselves. Right. I had a um, conversation with a really good friend of mine and we were talking about you know, um, you know, all lives matter and black lives matter. And just, I was giving her a breakdown of why, she didn't understand why. Um, you know, she said, like, I'm not racist, I just don't understand why it's not all lives matter. And I was just like, well, you know, let me break down, I gave her the, the story synopsis of what I felt that it was. But in the end it was like, you know, and it's about us being able to, to honor ourselves. We are the most economic spending, you know, race out there and we don't bring anything back home. It's always going out. So now it's changing the mindset of bringing it back and that excess mindset and that prideful and the saying, no, I'm going to spend in my neighborhood. I'm tired of someone else owning the corner store. I'm tired of someone else owning the block and, you know, paying rent to someone else. Why can't we appear into ourselves and make the block better and, and not get diversified because we didn't take care of it. So all that stuff's happening now and it's starting to shift to the essence and the pride of where you live, where you are, and who you are. So I want us to get really focused and really clear about what the point of this topic is because black pride, look, since the sixties, and I would say even before that it's existed for a long time. And I think that was a very small part of his message um, that, that we're holding on to and we're pushing. And at what point does that now, like we said that people are still, you know, they're, they're not proud of being black. And I, I don't, I don't subscribe to that at this point. I think that's something from the past that we just brought up. So I, I think people are proud to be black and we have more examples than ever of people being able to achieve a level of success and more importantly, respect than we ever have before. Mm -hmm. So again, what is the whole goal of this black privilege thing and what does it really mean? So to me, it's a concept, it, it, it's synonymous with the black pride, right? But it's, it's a little bit bigger than that because you speak of the wealth and prosperity amongst some of those in our group who have realized this concept of black privilege because it, I do fully believe it is a privilege to be black, but there are others who, when you don't have that seed or understand or, or continue to point out what the issues are that hold you back, continue to point out the systemic issues instead of taking it, you know, it's like we in a game right now, you know, and there's a system in place and it's function or built to function a certain type of way. When you know the rules, you know how to play the game. So when you understand the game, plus you allow yourself to take advantage of the privilege that you have within yourself to create, to take advantage of opportunities, to create opportunities, then you find yourself moving forward instead of sitting and, I guess, so to speak, pointing the finger, you know? Does that make sense? It makes sense. But as long as you are existing and producing in the realm of white privilege, you're not creating the rules. And until you get to a point where you create the rules, and you can affect the change of the rules, you're always going to be limited to some point. Let me give you my evidence. I'm gonna give you one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, and I'm actually gonna take 
the time to actually say these towns and these cities. Fort Most, Florida, Rosewood, Florida, Seneca Village, New York, Five Points District, New York, Weeksville, New York, Greenwood, Oklahoma, Freedman's Village, uh, Virginia, I think that is, Allensworth, California, Freedmanstown, Texas, Davis Bend, Mississippi. Uh, I'm gonna totally butcher this one, but Mookakinock, Iowa, Buxton, Iowa, New Philadelphia, Illinois, Pin Oak Colony, Illinois, Blackdom, New Mexico. These are all places where we had thriving black communities that had their own systems, their own uh, achievement, their own level of what we're referring to as black privilege and none of them really exist in that capacity anymore because they were destroyed by white people. And what point in time? Mm -hmm. uh, man, look, this time goes back. So I don't have the historical reference for you, but. But I feel like that's very important because you're talking about, in the, if these are cities that are similar to um, like Black Wall Street and I believe Oklahoma City. Uh, or Black Wall Street was included in that. Okay, so these are those types of cities in that, that time frame. So. You, you have all of the anti-abolishment of slavery descent. You have Jim Crow and everything else going on. So the civil rights movement basically being bred out of all of that. So how much of that is relevant to to in today's society? I'll tell, you, I'll tell you exactly why it's relevant in today's society. Because there was so much money flowing in these towns that it took away from the success of the country overall. So until you can get to a point where the country is going to respect your money and allow your money to circulate within your own, we will never get to that because they're going to miss. As Art just said, we as a people, as black people, spend some of the most outrageous numbers of money on just being consumers. And as right. long as we are consuming at a high level and our dollars continue to leave our community, then we, we won't get to this this next level of privilege, right? Because it won't be respected. So those towns did not, were not allowed to thrive because they needed those dollars. Okay. So again, I feel like the historical reference still holds true because at this day and age where you have, you probably had the political involvement on the local level, which is why those communities were able to thrive in the way that they were until, you know, uh, the oppressor came in and pretty much washed them out. But now you have an influx of political in involvement and activism. And I feel like it's a triad. And I got this from Robert Wallace when I was at the President's Roundtable. It's, a, it's, an, it's, a, it's an organization that was founded in 1983 to help support Black entrepreneurship. And they have a, an outreach program that I was at on Tuesday. But there's a triad that's, that's very important to building black wealth and economic empowerment. And it starts with your ethnic um, understanding of, of who you are, um, your political power, and your economic capital. So when those three things meet, then you create real power is how it was explained to me in Robert Wallace's words. So two out of the three is only going to get you so far. And if you look back at history, even though there are a lot of issues that compound the result where some races and ethnicities, like I guess the Jewish community, whomever, went for uh, economic empowerment, we kind of tried to play the political game 
And now that that's kind of re reversed, we're working on all three at the same time. Once we build up those three again, there's not a whole lot. The system begins to change, as you said. So once we get that influx, like uh, we just had, um, I think it was in New York, where the young lady just won a, a county commission seat. Some, it was something with the Democratic, I mean, with the primary. But once you start getting that influx to create that power, to create that wealth, to create those communities again, I feel like we're in a better position to protect that than we may have been when we were first trying to build that foundation in those cities which you mentioned before. How? How, how, how are we protected? I'm interested. <clears throat> so once you get into the system, so for me, seeing an organization like President's Roundtable, which I had never seen anything like before, lets me know that these organizations exist and they do work in the community. Now, this is an organization with a lot of influential CEOs amongst our group, minority-owned businesses, but they're very well connected um, politically and financially to help provide opportunities for us. So when you understand that there are much more examples of black excellence outside of the LeBron Jameses, outside of the uh, Beyonce and Jay-Z's, that these are just African-American entrepreneurs that have ascended to heights that may not be well known, you, you start to understand that there are other interworkings and other opportunities that we are creating for ourselves, not necessarily looking to be given to us by a government or a society that doesn't necessarily care too much about us. Okay, so let me ask you this question. You said yes. that organization goes back to 1983, right? Yes, in this uh, Baltimore region, Baltimore, D.C. region. Okay, so I'll tell you prior to you mentioning it, I'd never heard of it. Right? I know that. And, and, I, and I'm... And I'm a couple years older than you, right? Okay, so let's do this. When was your fraternity founded? 1911. 1911, okay. Art, when was your fraternity founded? January 5th, 1911. 1911. How many judges, successful people, people of accomplishment exist in the two of your fraternities? Several. Countless. Countless. Okay. And if we had BJ on here, I'd ask him the same question. And he would say, oh man, you know, we had Martin Luther King. We had a Philip Randolph. We had all these people, right? What, what all of you guys have founding principles, right? Things that you stand for, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. How many black Greek letter organizations are there? Eight? Nine. Nine. nine? I'm yeah. sorry. I forgot about those last guys, but yeah. Okay. So nine, how many people, would you just guesstimate that we have in those organizations, not only in this country, but worldwide? <laughs> a lot. <laughs> a lot. Yeah. <laughs> what, what have we been able to do with these organizations that go way, way past 1983? And if you throw the Masons in there, what have we been able to do? And I'm not saying that there haven't been things that have happened. That's what I'm trying to understand. That you have organizations that go back so far that probably have some of the same goals of this thing that you went to a couple of weeks ago, right? Mm -hmm. And that's what I'm saying. We don't have a system. And until we have a system, we will not get the ultimate result that we are looking for, right? So we represent 14% of the population in the United States but our spending power is $1.2 trillion. But there are so many things that go into that statistic. And you're right, I agree with you. The system for us, 
I think it's still in the creative stages because you you have you have the successful generation and then you have I think this new spring of entrepreneurial spirit amongst the younger generation because the opportunities are becoming less and less. And then the, I guess the millennial mindset is just, it's a lot different. You know, you have the serial entrepreneurs like Fresh that don't want to work for an individual or are looking for other ways to create. I don't think you can put it, the, the millennial mindset has nothing to do with this because I guarantee you there have been people among us that have always had the millennial mindset, right? And now we just put it on a whole uh, uh, generation that we've labeled millennial mindset. And the millennial mindset is this, is that this country says that there is equality for everybody. Everybody has equal opportunity, right? That's mm-hmm. really what the, what the millennial mindset is saying. Hey, this is what you guys taught us in school. Now we want it. Where is it? Yeah. That, that's what the millennial mindset is. So the millennial mindset is calling out the existing system and saying, hey, these are all the things that you said that we would and we should have. And now we want it. We exactly. work hard to get to this point. We're at this level. Give us what you told us we were supposed to get. Exactly. So, so, Kay, are you saying that we should be trying to work within the system that we're already in and build our own? Or are you saying that's that not, we're trying that's to... Not, that's not what I'm saying. I'm okay. saying that, look, over all this time, can anybody give us a list of things and, and, and the blueprint to what we need to do to be more successful as a people to get to I this just level gave it to of privilege. You. I just what, gave it to you. What the problem you? is, is that there's an access or, or a barrier to access to these things. It, it's, it seems as simple, and I've come to this, uh, I guess, over the last couple of months, but it seems as simple as that power triad I mentioned from Robert Wallace, those three so things. What, so what, what, what is the triad? Tell me the three points of the triangle. You got your, econ- your, your economic power, your political power, and your ethnic understanding. If you understand who you are and where you came from, especially us, then you have, you, you have a, I think you have a, something more to pull from. And that's that, that spiritual or innate nature that Charlemagne mentioned. Polit- the political and economic power just goes without saying. You got to have money to spend money. or You got to create in, in economics and you have to be able to be involved in the conversation politically. So once we we've already identified what it takes. It's the system and, and creating, the, the, creating the system that will most benefit us. Um, and to see just a snapshot of some of the individuals that I was in the room with tells me that it's not easy. It's not going to be easy. It never was easy to begin with, but it happens. And it's happening in a way that is beneficial for us who are able to receive that, receive the message. Okay, so again, what is going to be that unifying power to push those three points? Because we can't even get behind one black presidential candidate. So I and the both of the the points of this arrow that are coming in, it makes complete points, and I think that we we have always been stretched. Pull thin. That was that's the the old way of, of separation is to get in your ear to have you go to one side and work here, but you no, know, don't go there. Don't do that. That's wrong. And then you have the guys, you know, the people who are like, no, this is the way it should be. So we're like in that middle ground. I think as a culture, as a community, at this point now, we are we're starting to shift. We're starting to say, hey, we need to own things. We need to own that land. Make way to make that 
um, political change is to be able to vote and own your area. So buying the real estate with Jamal coming in, that's a piece of that earning to get to the political. You can't have a political voice if you don't own anything at all. Um, so I think it's kind of us getting together and saying, okay, how are we going to do this? And it's not going to happen like, okay, well, you know, it, it, this AA is here, different mindset. No, our fraternities are a different mindset. We all, we all are one. We come together for the NPAC, but at the end of the day, we all have our own things. And it's kind of like Kay saying, how can we bring this together and say, hey, this is what we need to get as a, as a goal for everyone. Am I, am I correct or not? Let me know. But um, a goal for everyone to say, hey, this is the goal. This is the focus. Everyone move your way to this. Like we're in a group now, and I say, hey, guys, I'm, I need to buy this property. I need 10 grand from everybody to do this, but by me doing this, I'm able to buy six more properties in that block. Now I have property in that block, so I can now make a vote to blah, 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 blah. But it starts there, but someone in this group will say, oh man, I can't, I don't have that to give to you because I got to focus on this. And that's where the vision starts and it starts to break and break and break and break. Instead of saying, you know what, it doesn't matter, this can wait because we got a bigger goal to go through. I think that's where Kay is saying that's what's happening and the organization you want you're exactly right because what I'm what I'm trying to put out there is that look, none of these methods that we're talking about are new. Right? We've had times where we've thrived as entrepreneurs, mm-hmm. where we've had businesses. None of it's new. And where has it gotten us? And what I'm trying to say is is that until you can get us all pushing in one direction towards one common goal, we're always going to have this because there's always somebody concerned with how much power one person is getting and that's even uh, just amongst us yeah <laughs> just, just within our community and what i was saying was is that you had president obama you had what, what was the guy's name i can't remember his name now but anyway you had another black individual that was running you had uh, carson you're talking about ben, ben carson no not ben carson you talking about the pe- the the guy before him the, um, the guy before him right the older guy with the glasses correct um i can't think of his name i can't um He's somewhere, he, was, he was from New York. He had a, like a chain of pizza. Yeah, I can't remember his name. But anyway, so, and, and then look, look at, look at the last election, right? So you had Ben Carson running who, look, let, let's not talk about your political qualifications, right? Let's just talk about he was running. You had Hillary running, right? And, and we were like, oh, man, you know, the Clintons, woo! Man, look at what they've done for us. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, as opposed to, okay, we got Ben Carson running. He's got some issues. I was about to say, are we really about to defend Ben Carson right now? <laughs> Hold on. I'm not about to defend him, but what I'm saying is, as a people, until we get to the point where we hold each other not just accountable, but we say, okay, if he's going to be the man, let's build his platform. Let's get around him. And I'm just using him as one example, Brett. And you see okay. what I'm saying? What you're doing right now is you're getting caught up in the name of the person I said. It's not the name. It's what he stands for and who he was as a person. That, that, that's <laughs> fine. What he stands for. But why couldn't we get behind him and, and move his thinking and show him how, hey, if you think in a better way, we can get you there and we can accomplish more. And or that's the a new candidate. Yeah, I was gonna say, well, how how am I supposed to change the mind state of the mindset of a candidate? It's just an example, bro. I'm using one person. Say, but what you're doing is perfect because you're getting caught up in something that so small that you can't see the bigger, the bigger thing that we're trying to accomplish. And that's what we do. We sit there, we pick things apart, not realizing that okay, I see these faults. If we can combine in numbers, 
this person is now going to realize that, hey, shoot, if I just shift my thinking, I'm going to have the support of these people. That's what politicians do. They shift with numbers and money. Facts. <laughs> Facts. Yo, have, didn't you say that last week? Or someone said they were, oh, Mike said that. He was talking to somebody and he goes, oh, where do you live? Right, right. And, and, he's like, oh, he's and, like, okay, and the conversation like, shut down. Oh, Hold right. on, you're out of my district? <laughs> Never mind. Yeah, what you don't mean anything to me. And, and, yeah. and until we get to the point where all our black Greeks, as, as, as Art just said, who, look, there are many influential leaders amongst that group, right? Until mm-hmm. all those folks decide, you know what, we're all going to put together and, and, and leverage our networks. The current black business owners, those that are successful, can now help those that are not at that point yet. Until we get to that point where that is our main goal of driving the success and look through ownership and through that protection piece that we haven't talked about yet. Again, we've said it many times, until it comes to your door, it's not a concern, right? And until we get to, look, I don't care where the door is, if it's our people and something wrong has been done, all of us are going to get all of us. Yeah. All of us have to go to that door. Well, that goes back to the first piece of the triad that Brett mentioned though, the understanding of where you come from and knowing your ethnic, ethnic background. Understanding where you come from don't mean you protecting where you come from. Yeah. It doesn't mean that you are riding for the cause. Yeah. I I see what you're saying. It doesn't go hand in hand. True. True. But if you have a sense of understanding and, and understanding of self, then you can begin to see yourself and your brothers and your sisters. And you understand that, if I want to succeed, they have to succeed and vice versa. You know what I mean? I don't think that that that's necessarily a given because there are plenty of people who are black prideful and, and, you know, love their melanin, but could care less about their neighbor. I don't think that you could truly love. You can't, you can't, you can't say one and want to see your brother tore down. You can't have, you can't. I I didn't say that. I want to see them tore down, but I'm saying, but I I don't want to see you succeed. But, I, but not, I love myself. You know what I mean? That, that doesn't make any sense. Just because it doesn't make sense to you, gentlemen, doesn't mean that it doesn't exist. That there are definitely 100% people, people who people are out there that have that mentality. But that's the black excellence, however, they are not concerned about thy neighbor. Like, they hey, still you know love what? him as a brother, but they're not hey, going over there if they're hungry. I love black people, but I ain't, I ain't, I ain't going into Liberty City. That there's that's people that that, so there's a difference hey. between making <laughs> I'm not saying like, decisions. Go sacrifice yourself. I'm not saying <laughs> that. I'm just saying you can't. I'm saying love. Well, you see what I'm saying? What, what, what but, do you but say? Do you, but, but, wait, 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 wait. Why, why is going to Liberty City sacrificing yourself? Well, I'm saying that. I'm, exactly. Exactly. And you see what I'm saying? Like, so let's, that, let's that, not. That's that just awesome. the, I was going along with the picture that you painted. You said you're not going to live. Why did you say you're not going to Liberty City? No, no. I'm not me personally. I, I've done work in Liberty City. I used to live in Liberty City. He used to live in Liberty City. So it's not that we won't go. I'm saying that there are people out there that feel that way. That's their, that's their that's thought process. Oh, man, I ain't and going. They are, and they are all day black power, all of that great stuff. And I love my melanin. But uh, hold on. It's off of MLK? Oh, uh, no, nah, man. I ain't going down there. Yeah. So, so look, I, I'll take it from that. The water situation is still not fixed in Flint, Michigan. Mm-hmm. Yep. What part of our $1.2 trillion have we put behind what's going on in Flint, Michigan? And say that, you know what, nobody else is going to fix this. We're going to go fix it. We have to go fix it. Oh, it's, it's, it's passed on. We, we, that, was, that was old news because um, Puerto Rico had a problem. And we went to go save Texas, but we forgot about, you know, home. That's what happens. It, that's exactly what's happening. And I think that, that it ties into what kind of tying all this back together. 
I was just talking to someone. I was like, oh, you know, I want to go to Newark and I want to really invest in the homes in Newark. They're like, why? Newark is falling apart. And I was like, well, that's the reason why, because before someone goes in there and buys it up and kicks everyone out of there, I want to save people who are there and help them their process. But it's me going in there, taking that chance that, hey, I'm going to go back home or go back to that community and say, listen, we can make this better before we lose it all. Because it's going to happen. It's going to happen fast. But how can we protect it? Um, Harlem's gone. I mean, that's just a prime example of, of, of an area that was, that was thriving and it thrived past all this time. And then now, there's nothing but you no know, Europeans buying things up, changing it, kicking them out, and tripping, making sure the rent. That was a protected network. I mean, Harlem was protected for so long. And then now, people left, grandparents, and it's all the grandparents moved out, the kids who were there wanted to sell a house because it got passed on to them, and now one house got bought, then two houses, then four houses, then a block, then now stores, and just start small. But that's where it is because no one thought, hey, we gotta protect this area. That's investment help in this process. Let's help build this up. That's old abandoned building, let's buy it up. Have it on, on my block. Like I feel bad because I could have waited to um to help my block. Now the house is being built, they're being sold somewhere else. I'm like, man, if I had known now what I knew five years ago, I would have bought all the broken down blocks for a dollar and reinvested back to that process and got it going. But now it's too late because the house is worth you no know, two hundred, three hundred thousand now because someone bought it for nothing and they're fixing it up to sell it. And 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 I don't want I don't want anybody that's currently on here to misunderstand me and I don't want listeners to misunderstand me because there are organizations and there are groups that have the right intentions and they're doing things. But until that spreads to the collective, it's like a beehive, right? If you just got pockets of a beehive working for the betterment of the hive, but they don't communicate and they don't share the goal, then the beehive dies. So that's fair. And that's one of the bigger points that I like about um, PRT because that's the goal. And unfortunately, you, it, it's hard to lead a flock as big as our community, especially with all of the, <laughs> I guess, post-traumatic effects of all of the systemic issues and racism and everything that we've come in uh, to what's the word? All of the things that we've experienced being on this rock right here, you know what I'm saying? On this piece of land. Created our journey. Right. So, but you have these roots and I feel like one of the biggest things that I wanted to drive with this black privilege concept was that it actually exists. So when I first brought it up, the first thing that several people said was, does it exist? Um, Now, hearing it and the reality of the concept I think goes a little bit longer. Now, yes, Carol, I agree with you 100%, man. And I don't think, unfortunately, that it is possible to save and change the mindset of the entire mass. But what I am a little bit more optimistic about is the little chinks that we continue to make on that stone that's in the road. And, excuse me, I feel like the more we become aware of the importance of this triad and hitting it from all sides, the more we're gonna be able to progress as a people. And when I see things like this President's Roundtable and the outreach um, event that I went to, and it's a mix. So it's not just a group of old 50, 60, 70 year old CEOs in the room talking about how, you know, they love whiskey and, you know, this portfolio and that portfolio. There is a transfer and share of knowledge. It was a panel event where we were allowed to ask questions concerning entrepreneurship and issues within 
or barriers to entry to that and things that we can do to build wealth in the community. And actually that was the main premise of the conf or the, uh, the event was 50 years later after Dr. King was assassinated, how do you ma maintain wealth in the black community? Because that's a large portion of, of the power that we want to create through entrepreneurship. Oh, man, I got it right here for you, man. And this was just on MSN a couple of days ago. Oh, I already know that the stats are, are Black home ownership in 1968, 41.1%. Now? In 2018, 41.2. Black incarceration per 100,000 in 1968, 604. In mm -hmm. 2018, 1,730. Black unemployment in 1968, 6.7%. In 2018, 7.5%. What's, what's, what's the big difference between 1968 and now? And, and, that, and, that's, what and that's what I'm trying that's to say. That's the question. Yeah. We, we are, we're like a computer hard drive severely fragmented mm. and until we can get behind a move a movement that's going to defrag us and at least have the 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 baseline of our understanding of that triad that you're talking about until the average understanding of that baseline goes up we're going to continue to struggle and it's almost like we're just getting a cycle we're gonna have periods where we prosper and then we're gonna have periods where we we're struggling and that's a fair statement however i, I choose to focus a little bit more on getting that understanding because I feel like it goes without saying, obviously we know the hole that we in. So right. we know that there's a lack of understanding of all three points to the triad or the triangle. Um, but promoting that understanding amongst our group is what half the battle, man. Like if you're not aware, you're not going to do You don't, if you don't know any better, you can't do any better. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Fact. There it is. I got it. Absolutely. I'm glad we could come to an agreement, <laughs> sir. So, so what would be, I mean, just trying to brainstorm on solutions then, what would be a possible, you said, I know Kay, you said until we get behind the movement or until, until we come together as a people, what would be, what would yeah. that look like? Well, well, here's the thing though. Yes. We're, we're talking from the inside of the movement. We, we in the movement. Yeah. Right. It's, it's different right. for those that we know needed the most. Right. And, and more than likely majority of the people that, the five of us that are on here today encounter they're probably already in and we're already we're already doing things i mean look at this podcast if somebody that's not in a position of of you know success listens to this podcast they're gonna get nuggets every single week right we're not getting paid for this we putting free information out for people to see so it's a matter of you have to get people to the point where they want to change where they realize that a change is necessary and it goes back to something that Brett said about access. If you don't get access to what that thing looks like that's different from what you're currently doing, you're going to keep doing that because that's all you know. I think it's, it's, it's about getting people to understand it's not a change, it's an evolution, right? People get scared of the word change and that's why they, um, they don't want it. They're quick to, well, hold on, I can't deal with the change. But when you look at it as an evolution, as, as you know, you're evolving, you're, you're growing, it's, it's the next step in progress, that's the change. That's what needs to happen is that that thought process of change versus evolution needs to be more widely accepted and in, in thought of as the basis of what we are doing in the understanding that we still have a long way to go in order to be where we truly feel we want to be and deserve to be that it's not going to happen overnight 
there's too many, as we pointed out, you know, there's too many different mixes of people in, in uh, thoughts of how we get to that point, right, or, or what the progress is that it's about being able to understand, break down, and re, um, reconstitute, you know what I mean, the, the, the energies in order to understand we're evolving. We're not looking for change. It's about evolving and taking those next steps. Yeah. Absolutely. And to Carol's point about Flint, Michigan, um, so there was a $450 million uh, federal aid package that went to revamping or uh, redoing those pipes in, in Flint, Michigan. So I think um, the water is safe at, at this point. Hopefully the EPA stays on top of that thing. It's better, but it's not safe yet. Are they still getting it out of the lake? You know, I think they switched it to like Lake Huron or Lake Erie or something like that. I don't know the exact details, but I, I have some connections in Michigan, and uh-huh. people live there still, still bottling. Well, yeah, I wouldn't trust it um, until I got some like <laughs> EPA results. I would bottle up all day, but um, the quote unquote fix was out there. Faison, I'm gonna stay with you, man. I want to get into Art's Corner today, man. What you got for us? Oh man, today is uh, today's awesome. So I, I got this cool one that I want to share with you guys. When facing a difficult task. Act as if it is impossible. I'm sorry, rewind that back. <clears throat> when facing a difficult task, act as though it is impossible to fail. If you're going to go after Moby Dick, take along the tartar sauce. Mm. Mm. Failure is not an option, baby. Period. Yeah. DJ, Barry, be fresh, man. Fresh in business week. Where are we going? We are going to adapt to change and business as I've spoken about before, you know, people can get um, caught up as owners in assuming and thinking that what you are producing or servicing is the best thing since sliced white bread. Don't be so hard headed in your entrepreneurial voyage that you don't um, open up your third eye and take the opportunity to see what potential fruits are laying on the ground instead of, uh, that you have to pick off the tree, right? A lot of people, while they're in business, don't take the time to really see, understand not just their customers, but also their employees and where their true value proposition is in order to create the success that they really want. You might get caught up in, in making widgets, right? And, and not understand that if you um, made a change to that or if you went ahead and, and maneuvered what you're selling that you would have a longer uh, opportunity to prosper over time. So adapt to change, be willing to evolve. Don't look at it as change. Make sure it's an evolution. That's fresh in business, fresh in biz, entrepreneur ninja, low, slow, salute. Pop. <laughs> there it is. J-Days, man, you don't come on too often, man. I need an update, man. What's going on? I know you had a very, very successful event. Uh, not too long ago, man. Give us the rundown. Yeah, man, it, it was it was phenomenal, man. That's, uh, you know, that's, that's my saying. So it was phenomenal, though. I had a great time. It was the second annual community event back in my hometown, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Um, Milwaukee! I, hey. Milwaukee! <laughs> <laughs> but I got to speak to the people, man, and they, um, they I received very well. I uh, got some great, some great feedback. Uh, you know, I'm speaking in the health and wellness industry, so just speaking to, speaking to them about my struggles with my weight management and dealing with obesity and how it actually runs in the family. And just, man, it was just, it was just crazy. My sisters were there and they were able to receive it as well. So it was just, it was a dope event, man. 
I got you, man. If y'all not following this young man, please go out there. What, at J Dace Encourages. At J Dace Encourages on Instagram, um, Facebook, and uh, yeah, man. Um, all right, let me. Can I share a, a, a tip? No, you know no. what I mean. I, I, no. I, absolutely. No. You know, no, I like no, the live no, out there. No one leave him. Um, yo, if you if you are really trying to lose weight, you're really trying to lose weight. You're serious about it. I really encourage you to start tracking your food. It's uh, eye opener. It lets you know where you are for real, for real. It lets you know how many calories you're actually eating, your carbs, your protein intake, your fats, and all other nutrients, man. Just really, really, if you want to be serious about it, start tracking your food so you can see where you are and you can see what necessary adjustments or how you can evolve to be to better yourself. You know what well, I mean? Mr. Dace, how do you do that, though? A great uh, tool I, I've been using, uh, MyFitnessPal. It's downloadable. It's on iPhone, Android. Um, you know what I mean? Shout out to Android. But uh, it's downloadable on uh, MyFitnessPal is great. I think Chronometer is another one. And if you have Android, you have Samsung. Uh, if you have S-Health, then that's, that's a pretty good one as well. But MyFitnessPal is the most commonly used. And it's, uh, it's, you can adjust it to whatever your goals are. So really encourage you guys to start tracking your foods. And be honest. Let me just start in there. Don't lie, yo. If you had it, don't just be because you're the only person that's going to keep it 100 with you every single time. Don't take that away from yourself. You should be. Should be. I'm about to say. Right. I'm about to say. Because you can't, you can't lie to yourself. You know what I mean? That's you what absolutely I'm can. We <laughs> do. We can lie to yourself. Why you absolutely can. Yeah, why we shouldn't. We can and we do. So America, world, universe, just like you said, if you were going to make that dedication, stop yeah. lying to yourself. Make sure you count it all. That's count the only on, way man. to get truly to <laughs> Easy, man. Ladies and gentlemen, if you enjoyed this podcast, you like what you hear, make sure you follow us on all social media platforms at 13th Floor, please. Make sure you are subscribed. If you haven't already, hit that button on YouTube, uh, iTunes, uh, Google Play, Spotify, wherever you're getting your podcast from, we are there, SoundCloud included. Um, but make sure you get stay connected with us and uh, – Keep getting more of this good news, views, and how-tos on the 13th floor. Coach K, I'm ready for your thoughts on. So I'm going to close us out with a quote uh, by Minister Louis Farrakhan. Um, My man. It says that naturally, when one makes progressive steps, there may be some who see it as a betrayal of their goals and interests. Mm. What I leave you guys with today is that, as we talked about, we have people that are in leadership. We have people that are respected and we have the need for new people to be in leadership and to be respected. Just because someone's goals don't align with your short-term immediate goals doesn't mean that their long-term goals are in opposition to what we need to be and become as a people. So get out of your own way and realize it's not about you, it's about us. And what do we want to look like 20 years from now? There it is, ladies and gentlemen. We appreciate y'all for listening with us here on the 13th floor. But the furniture isn't always the best, but the views are amazing. Say The 13th floor. The 13th floor.